Welcome to Series 5 of the Lawyer's Coach podcast. My name is Oliver Hansard, and each episode of this podcast will feature myself or Claire Rayson, both of us coaches and former lawyers, trying to find out what makes lawyers tick. In this series, we will be hearing from various guests and experts, exploring the skills that lawyers need to succeed. And then, at the end of each episode, we will both be reflecting on what they said. The Lawyer's Coach podcast is brought to you by Client Talk and Hansard Coaching. In this episode, Claire Rayson talks to Mary Bonzer, CEO of Flex Legal. Claire talks to Mary about how she moved from identifying a problem to launching Flex Legal. Maybe we could start with um, the question that we ask all of our guests um, for our podcast, which is, why did you choose to be a lawyer? Of course. So um, probably quite similar to a few lawyers out there. I, I sort of fell into law at the end of university. I didn't, didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I liked the idea of helping people, problem solving and continuing to learn. So law felt like a good next step to kind of tick off those three things. Um, and then did my GDL, really enjoyed it. Uh, got a training contract that summer, did my LPC and, and the rest is history. And you started off, you had quite kind of, I guess, a traditional route into law. You did your training contract. You then qualified at the firm um, and and carried on practicing. But you then sort of jumped ship and and started your own company. So can you tell me a little bit about what was behind that? Of course. So similar to many law students out there, I struggled initially to get the first bit of work experience um, and found it a real chicken and egg. People saying you need experience to get experience. And how do you get that first step in the door? And so there was a real problem I saw there. And then when I qualified, my firm was next to a law school and I would constantly see students outside my window and think I need help now. I can see them below me and I know they'll jump at an opportunity to get work experience. And now with so many apps and technology, where's the recruitment app in, in legal? So um, that's when I had the kind of light bulb moment and thought, this is this is what I should do and I'm going to give it a go. And it's quite, I mean, you, you say it like, you know, that it, that it was easy. I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> um, you know, how did you make the decision to set up on your own and, and you know, tell us a little bit about that kind of journey? Yeah, so um, yeah, I think I made it sound far too easy then. It, it was quite <laughs> a long, long process. I mulled it over for about four years and, and did it in a very typical risk-adverse way. So I, I didn't have huge amounts of savings, so I knew I needed to raise money to uh, if, if I wanted to go and, and do this but initially I wanted to prove the concept learn everything I could about it so I did a lot of weekend research and evening research and then I set up um, flex on a spreadsheet by going and flyering outside a law school getting 20 CVs of paralegals putting them onto my spreadsheet and then contacting one law firm and saying look I've got a great set of law students when you need help please give me a call and so when I went and got my investment I kind of proved the concept on a very very basic level by being proactive and using a spreadsheet so I then found it a bit easier to get investment and as soon as I got the investment I, I took the plunge and handed in my notice um, at, my, at my law firm. 
And can you tell us a little bit about kind of the journey that Flex has been on from that kind of first spreadsheet and, uh, you know, kind of the initial planning stages to where it's at now? Yeah, it's been, a, it's, it's felt like a lifetime. It's, uh, so we're, we're five and a half years old. And um, so at around this time, I got my investment, I met my co-founder, James, who's a technologist. And I always knew, you know, tech was a key part of it. From the very beginning, I wanted to invest everything in the technology. So having a co-founder for me who was technical was, was absolutely key. Um, so met James, the two of us, there were actually initially three of us, um, which is another kind of story in itself in that Jimmy from Legal Geek was one of our founders and um, but then Legal Geek started to grow at the same time and he couldn't manage to do both so he went off and did Legal Geek but it very amicably which was very lucky but it really showed you know the importance of setting up a company and um, who you do it with from a very early stage and um, so I was lucky in that it, it, that was all amicable so then James and I carried on the flex journey and have just slowly grown, started off with just paralegals, building the platform and growing our team. And then two years ago, started doing lawyers um, on a flexible basis too and helping them move around. And now we're a team of 40 and um, we offer kind of flexible paralegals, lawyers and our new scheme, which is flex trainees as well. So it's kind of developed as we've gone along. I'm going to talk to you about flex trainees in a second, but one of the things I want to pick up is something that I picked up from from your LinkedIn profile, um, which is where you say that one of the benefits of flex is that it allows people to try out different areas of law. So perhaps you can expand on that a little bit. Yeah, of course. I think you know when people say they want to be a lawyer, often it's from quite a limited. Uh, level of experience so you know kind of looking at me as an example I had one bit of experience in private client Um, so I thought I wanted to be an employment lawyer but I never had the chance to get any experience in it so I think for me the more we can give law students a bit of exposure to different areas of law the more they will have experience and understand where they want to qualify and in particular in-house I really feel that when you go to law fairs and uh, university fairs, you see all the top law firms, but you never see in-house teams because they don't have the funds to represent someone at, at those careers. So allowing people to see what it's like to work in-house and have a bit of exposure there um, it, it's so important, I think, for, for, for their future careers. And you mentioned your flex trainees, and that's what I want to come on to now, because I know that you've got you've just started quite an exciting program, which is is trying to diversify the profession. So perhaps you can tell again, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So um, similarly to the point I just said, actually, so the way to qualify has changed or is in the process of changing, which I'm sure you you know about with with the SQE coming into force in November. And why I get super excited about this is it allows people's paralegal work to count towards qualification if if it can be signed off. So that really means that a lot of paralegals who work in-house can begin to use it to um, count towards their qualification and qualify via the SQE route. And I think for businesses, that's fantastic because they can begin to retain and grow their own talent. So the amount of general counsel we speak to who say oh it's, I had this fantastic paralegal had all this knowledge and then sadly they had to go and do their training contract um, to qualify and now that that won't happen so um, flex trainee is our flex program to help 
paralegals qualify via the in-house route and help businesses manage that qualification route and grow and retain their own talent. This episode, this series is about kind of skills that lawyers need. And um, you're in quite an interesting position, I guess, at Flex, because you're seeing the people that are coming through and out of of law school and, and helping them along on their journey. What skills are you focusing on with your trainees, with your paralegals? I think that a lot of the soft skills go a lot further now. So, you know, because of the internet and PLC and Westlaw, you can find the technical knowledge for most legal questions if you know where to research. So for me, the softer skills become even more important. And what I mean by that is enthusiasm, uh, proactiveness, curiosity, willingness to muck in, and all those skills, I think, in particular in small in-house teams, are absolutely vital to, to, to succeed. So with our first cohort, the feedback we've got is, you know, they're the most curious, enthusiastic, positive bunch of people. And it's going really well because of that. You know, they, they, want, they want to learn. So they're very easy to teach. Um, so, so for me, those soft skills are really important. And then other skills such as Excel spreadsheet or presentation skills or um, again, not your kind of legal technical skills, but the kind of soft the other skills on the, on the on the peripheral, which also I think set you aside. So an example of that is you know how we we, we placed a paralegal into um, Diageo who had loads of technical skills, and suddenly they came up with a new bit of software to make their team super efficient. And that is what I love is when you find people like that who can really make a difference in, in small teams. And are they skills that you perhaps seek out when you're onboarding people um, or are they skills that for you are things that can can be learned and taught and, and provided the focus is there, they're things that can be developed? I think a bit of both. You know, I think naturally some of those skills come more naturally to people than others, but I definitely think they can be learned. And if I look at the skills I've learned over the past 15 years, you know, it, it's huge and you just need a bit of direction and, and and someone to give you really good feedback. I think feedback is is a gift and how you receive it, even if it's not delivered in the best way, which I'm sure we've all, all had situations like that, trying to take the positives out of that feedback and think, actually, what can I learn from that and how can I improve and move? That will help you kind of have a more successful career. And you mentioned soft skills and 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 actually I think it's all kind of tied together because I know um the O-shaped lawyer has been, you know, really focusing on soft skills and it's, you know, for want of a better word, we'll keep calling them soft skills until we can we can find <laughs> yeah. it. But you know, but how important they are to to in-house counsel. Is that kind of are you seeing that echoed by the clients that you're working with? Absolutely. You know, it, for me, um when often one of the questions we ask is what are you looking for in terms of character or personality traits? And it's always usually the same answer of um, team player, curious, enthusiasm, positivity, uh, so em- em- empathy. Um, so I think I think I think they're so important across the board, and perhaps more so in house when you are part of teams and making the commercial decisions and having to work with a wide range of people within the business rather than. In private practice, it's it's probably the same, but you're a bit more removed and that you are just giving advice and and you have multiple clients rather than just one. 
Do you think as a result that perhaps those skills are measured or valued differently in-house to, to perhaps in private practice? Yeah, I do, actually. I mean, in private practice, and I know things are changing, but the largest measurement is still the billable hour. So whereas in-house, you don't have the billable hour. So I think you can, I think there's more room for creativity because you're not just looking at what you're spending your time on. You're looking at the value that you're delivering. Um, I do, though, having said that, know that things are beginning to change in private practice. And um, and I think that's that's fantastic. And I think, you know, th- things like pro bono work and um, people's other other opportunities or things that they're giving the firm are, are, are really vital. You know, obviously, you've spent the last, you know, kind of period of, of your journey focusing on being a manager of, of being a founder of a business of running a business um, and less on the practice of law obviously partners in private practice are also managers but actually they spend their journey honing their legal skills perhaps at the expense of some of those management skills what would your advice be to those either partners now already or people on their journey who are going to be taking up management positions what sorts of things should they be looking at and thinking about so I would say it's really hard to be a good manager and have a good day job. And, and actually, you know, so many of us try and do both, but really making time to hone in on those management skills. Because if you're a good manager and you have a good team, actually it, your management will become much, much easier. So getting getting to know your team, really, really understanding each individual and what makes them tick and what gives them energy and what their life is like at home. and and I think that's so important for building trust and motivation. And then you'll get the best out of your team. So it's almost, it's one of those things which you might not think is worth the time because it potentially isn't the adding, you know, the billable hour, you're not, you're not charging for it. But I think if you do management well, your team below will become so much better that then they'll be doing the billable time and you don't have to. So it's a, it's, it's a bit paradoxical in, in a way, but it's, it's um I would just say always make the time for, to, to do good proper management and when I when I mean that I mean weekly one-to-ones um to catch up and maybe split that into two one is focused on work and one is focused on people's careers individual motivations really getting to know them linking back to something you said earlier about feedback you know we've spoken before and I know feedback is something that that you believe in and are passionate about giving feedback particularly where it's it's perhaps a little bit more critical is is something that I think lots of people struggle with how have you got to a place where you're able to deliver honest feedback yeah so if I'm um, being totally honest it's without a doubt one of the things I struggle with most and and unless you're a psychopath you do not like giving bad feedback so it's quite normal to struggle with it so the first thing I do is I prep a lot and really know what I'm going in with and think about all the possible scenarios of how this could go um, and I also what what I find easier often they're dying to hear the feedback and they know it themselves no one likes performing badly so you're actually doing them a huge favor by you know by by addressing the issue so um my my chairman of, of flex who's a great mentor said always think of three of you in the room there's you, there's the person you're giving the feedback to, and then there's the business. And you are doing this both with the business hat and your hat, but also for them. You know, it's it's not fun doing a bad job 
and no one wants to and if it's not the right role for them you're actually really giving them a blessing you're doing them a huge favor by letting them go and um, but always do it with their best interests at heart and if you generally believe you are then you're doing the right thing and I think that's a really nice way to rem- thing to remember and do you give feedback both on again thinking about the skills that we've been talking about both the technical but also on some of those softer skills it's not necessarily just technical and it's not it, it's you know being proactive and picking something up it's being a good team player it's uh going above and beyond your job title it's you know there's there's so many other great um person the acumens that people can show and I think highlighting that and shouting about that is so important so Mary we we have a range of listeners and I'm sure that there will be a mixture of both businesses and also law students listening so um, perhaps you can pick up again, going back to the to the trainee programme. What do both sides need to be thinking about? Yeah, of course. So um, the kind of motivation of the trainee programme was to try and increase and improve social mobility within the profession. So we look for students from a social mobility background and have teamed up with the charity Strive to get our candidates from. Um, We then train them up for six weeks on the soft skills and a few technical skills within Flex's HQ. And then we second them to our clients for year long placements. Um, At the end of those two years, um, businesses can hire them without any any fee. So it's really trying to allow businesses to grow and retain their own talent. Um, And we use their apprenticeship levy as well to pay for this. So it's actually an apprenticeship scheme which is great because so many businesses don't use their apprenticeship levy, which is a real shame because it just gets taxed and goes to waste, especially legal teams. So if we can help legal teams use that um, for the purpose and benefit of growing and retaining talent, then I see it as a real win-win. And so are they students that have already studied law and have already expressed an interest or are they people that perhaps maybe never even thought that law was for them? Yeah, so for now, we do um, students who have studied law at university um, or done their GDL that are willing to convert to the SQE route. Um, Over time, I'd love to extend this programme to do school leavers and the five-year apprenticeship scheme uh, too. But we just, we need to get get this one going and working properly and then we'll begin to expand into other age groups as well. So far, what, what kind of feedback have you been getting from the businesses that have taken part? Oh, it's been brilliant. So um, the feedback from the firm, from the companies have been, you know, so excited. The candidates are amazing. They're so positive. They're so hungry to learn. um, And they love being a part of it. And the feedback from the students has has actually almost made me well up quite a few times because it's thanking me for giving and um, having faith in them when no one else has and for really giving them a chance to succeed and honestly none of them need it they're all super bright smart people but they've just got stuck in this bottleneck and that's just a problem with the application process at the moment which is why I'm just so excited by this new new route to qualify. I've got two questions one is if if companies are listening and thinking gosh this sounds great I want to get involved um, how do they go about doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the other question that springs to mind is, you know, if you're a company that's listening that thinks actually, you know, is there something that we're doing that's causing this problem? What would you say to them in that regard? 
Yeah, so uh, first question, please get in touch with me. Um, If you go to our website, flex.legal, there's either a button to say find out more about Flex Trainee or my email address is on the website. So do drop me a line. And second question, um, again, please get in touch with me because I think so. a lot of clients who we speak to who are getting involved with this programme have a paralegal in their team who they want to support, but they don't know how. And I think... I think a lot of it is lack of knowledge at the moment around the SQE and way to qualify. So I'm very happy to speak to you, explain the process, explain what needs to be done and help where I can, even if it's, you know, an hour conversation to set you on your way. That's that's not a problem. I think anything is it's a real it's really interesting from over the past six months, almost every in-house person I've spoken to, bar one or two, has no idea about the SQE. And it's it just shows that there's a real lack of knowledge out there and I really want to try and change that. What do you think in-house teams need to know about the SQE? So they need to know it exists and also need to know their responsibility about signing off on a student's um, qualifying work experience. So I think lots of lawyers get very nervous about, and the word signing off, I think, is wrong. It, it, it's you're, you're confirming someone has had the opportunity to gain a skill. You're not saying they've got the skill. You're saying they've had an opportunity to get the skill, which will then be tested in an exam. So the threshold is, is much lower than some people may think. Um, and understanding if a, a, a supervisor's position to, to, to sign off or confirm is, is really important for people's careers because I think a lot of lawyers are worried about doing this, but I would say they shouldn't be if it's there's clear evidence that the work they're doing relates to one of the competencies in the solicitor statement. And do you think in-house teams are more open to different routes to qualifications and perhaps private practice? I know we've been talking about kind of companies here, but I don't I don't actually think they are. I think law firms have really caught up with apprenticeships and um, Silex and other routes. So I I don't I actually think often they have more resources to be able to do it, whereas in-house teams often don't have the budget or support to be able to do it, which is where I really want Flex to fit in and to offer that support and, and, and kind of show them what good looks like and and be in a almost like an additional HR team to the legal team to help people qualify through these different routes. I guess one of the things I've been thinking about to kind of close the loop a little bit, I guess. So when when we started chatting, you were talking about kind of um kind of bringing in someone who was very much a tech expert. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy as well, who obviously is 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 kind of legal tech. And and we've really been focusing on the people today and, and the skills that people need. What for you is the sweet swap between kind of the tech and, and the people side of things? It's a very good question. And I think one which we are all trying to work out um, as the legal profession changes so much. I, I personally think that technology is never going to overtake the human element. You know, when you go to a lawyer, why do you go to a lawyer for advice? It's because you've built a good relationship with them and you trust them. A machine is never going to do that. They might be able to be, help help the lawyer be more efficient. But I think that 
a machine can never build a good rapport and relationship with someone. So I don't think there's ever going to be a time when technology overtakes the human element. But I do think it will have a huge impact on efficiency and therefore cost and um, and potentially open up multiple different roles within the legal sector, which is beginning to happen already. And do you think that there's, you know, a role there, perhaps at the paralegal level, the trainee level, to to start to build in perhaps some of those legal tech skills as well? So funny you should say that because Flex Tech Trainee is, <laughs> is, is hopefully launching in September with exactly that. You know, we, we've got a team of um, 12 technologists and James, my co-founder, is very passionate about teaching people the tech skills. And I really see an opportunity to teach law students who want to be lawyers, but um, understand a lot better technology skills so that they can become better lawyers. So that's very much part of our our kind of flex expansion plans. Exciting. And I, you know, I agree. I think, you know, it's, it, you know, the focus of all of our podcasts is always the people, but there's always an element of technology that ends up coming in and yeah that's fascinating to be marrying the two at at kind of a junior level definitely hopefully we'll we'll see if it works but we're going to definitely give it a go (laughs) fantastic so you started off life as a practicing solicitor you kind of jump ship and now you're doing you're you know you're very much focused on that practice of law but as a manager do you miss practicing Uh, yes I do but I suppose in many ways I've become an employment lawyer in that there's always employment issues or terms and conditions I need to look at so I still feel like I'm practicing my commercial lawyer skills and employment lawyer skills which is something I didn't do when I was uh, a litigator Um, but I do I do miss it and um, I I didn't fall out of love with the law I really do love the profession and the, the intellectual stimulation so I think I'm even more passionate about making sure people are happy and staying in the profession. <laughs> I mean, you like so many of us, I think, that have, have started our own business and other kind of business owners that I've spoken to, you know, start because they see a problem and they can also see a solution to that problem. If there's anyone listening who perhaps is, you know, sat, sat as an in-house lawyer or perhaps sat in private practice and, you know, for, for some time they've seen a problem and that they know that they've got the solution to, what would your advice to them be? I would say give it a go. You know, there's no harm in trying things. And and you don't need the shiny technology to prove it. You can prove a lot of things without the technology. So I would say give it a go. Try and do it at a very low cost, low risk way. And if you can see any progress, and that's when you can go and really kind of go for it and see how far you can, you can take it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I think that's a really lovely place to to, to end the, the conversation. And I wish you every luck with, with the future, with the trainee programme, with, with tech, is it tech trainees? Um, and, and I'm sure other things that will pop up as well for the future. Thank you so much. And so lovely to chat to you. Love that conversation, Claire. What really stood out to you as you talked to Mary? So for me, I think there were two things. Um, the first was this idea about feedback and the power of feedback um, and how we get comfortable giving feedback, which I think is something that um, Mary mentioned that, you know, she still struggles with. It's certainly something that I think um, thinking back over my career, I've struggled with. Um, but that that was one. Um, and then the second thing, like this idea of management and leadership and 
do we train our lawyers to be good leaders or do we focus too much on on the technical side? So do you think lawyers in particular are frightened about giving feedback to their colleagues? I don't know if it's just lawyers. I think feedback is something that, um, you know, lots of us find difficult, particularly when we're talking about um, perhaps constructive feedback. Um, I think one of the things we're going to be thinking about this series is is soft skills or I think um, success skills is perhaps a better way of calling them. But I think with those softer skills, it's sometimes tricky to, to give feedback. And I think it is interesting to think about how we can perhaps start doing that more often and normalising that sort of feedback. So maybe it needs to be in a gentler way in a less formal way, maybe not so often during the appraisal rounds, just on an ad hoc basis, maybe that's something that might help. I think so. And I think that's something that perhaps, and again, you know, whether this is just lawyers or something broader, but, you know, I think, you know, often we forget to say thank you as we're going along. And I think often we forget to give feedback as we're going along, but actually focusing on some of those, let's call them success skills, um, you know, uh, with our team across, you know, across across the year I think is something that we should all be thinking about doing more often and then you mentioned management skills I I love the emphasis on really knowing your team and deliberately putting time into really understanding those that you work with who report to you I thought that was a really good tip yeah and I think you know something that you and I have, have spoken about before but I think you know often in law firms to get to the heady heights of partner, you've had to focus on the technical. You've perhaps been very good at, at working with clients. Or one would hope that you've been good at working with clients. But the the side around management is, is not something that I think is developed in lawyers as they move through their career. And when you become partner, you, you inherit a team. You have to sometimes manage a department, manage a practice group. And I think that management side is something that is is something that people often are expected to just fall into the role and know how to do. But actually being a good leader rather than actually a manager is something that I think does take time. It does take focus and something that, you know, perhaps firms should be thinking about earlier on in, in lawyers' careers. And that's something that, that Mary really calls out is it really is worth the time. To, to learn those skills and, and really make the most out of the people that you work with. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Claire. That was terrific. In the next episode, I'm speaking to Raya Blakely-Glover. She's Head of Business Development at Bird & Bird. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to our podcast in all the usual places. Goodbye. Lawyer's Coach is brought to you by Client Talk and Hansard Coaching. If you're enjoying this series, please rate us on your podcast provider so that others can find us. If you're a lawyer and would like to take part in Lawyers Coach, please visit our website, lawyercoach.co.uk, for further details. And you can also join the conversation on our LinkedIn group, Lawyers Coach. If there are any topics you'd like to hear us discuss, then just get in touch.